throw it. And this will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling. Oh, look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, can you drink? A miracle! Hello, welcome to the Dolphin UK podcast, lads. Six, six in a row. That is, I'm going to start off with the stat. That is the longest win streak. The first time they've won six, uh, six games straight since October the 16th to November the 27th, 2016. So there's a good opening for you. Um, Pre-Christmas show, gang's all here. Lee, how are you, mate? Yeah, doing good. Definitely riding high and looking forward to Christmas. Yeah, it's a bit more pleasant doing these uh, when you're winning all the time, isn't it? So that's a, yeah. that's a good positive thing. Si, how are you, mate? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Andy. Yeah, this is my last show of the year, actually, because I'm not around next week. So it's uh, it's good to go out on, on when we're talking about a win. Exactly. So uh, fingers crossed you'll, uh, you won't be here next, mate, that next week, mate, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, fingers crossed you can get uh, overseas, have a good time. Um, and, yeah, happy Christmas to all of our listeners as well. Uh, glad you're joining us in this uh, pre, uh, pre-big day, pre-big Christmas day uh, show. So, 31-24 win. Uh, so, I'll kick it your way first, mate. I mean, for me, this one, even though we started pretty poorly... It just always felt like a never tool that we were going to win. And it was actually a really pleasing watch in the end. How about you? What do you think? It was a pleasing watch. And you're right. I don't think there was any doubt that we were going to win. But what was really pleasing is that we won differently to normal. We we run um, because of a strong running game, which I'm sure we'll talk about some more anyway, rather than having to rely on Tua to carry us through. I think it was it, and it is good for the team that they can demonstrate that they can win a different way if they need to, um, rather than being one-dimensional. So from that perspective, yeah, it was a really good win. Yeah, yeah definitely. And uh, I was getting gradually more excited. <laughs> so Duke Johnson kept being given the ball and it's more and more annoying as they as they took him out of the game. But uh, anyway, Lee, uh, your first sort of reflections, I think you were very happy on Sunday as well. Yeah, I was happy. I was happy for a lot of reasons. Um, like we won when... We weren't playing our best. I think that's, you know, if it was any, you don't hear this said about Miami very often, but if you were watching the Green Bay Packers and they did that, or you're watching the Kansas City, City Chiefs, that, that, that they say that's what good teams do. They find a way to win when they're playing badly. And yeah, it never felt like we were going to lose that game. Even when we were behind early, it just felt like they were kind of getting to grips with, with coming off the bye. Um wasn't too concerned to be honest. It, you know, it's not fun to watch, but you know, I think we've seen enough in this team this year to know that, that you got to let these things start to play out a little bit before you start panicking. You know, I, I saw some, I saw some amazing comments in the first quarter on on social media, and I'm just like, man, you like, you just got to chill out a little bit. Like, at least get to half time and, and play a half of football before you've decided that it's all gone on down the toilet. I did see. I don't know. Who, I really should start saving tweets not not to call people out but just you know so i can give credit if they're good and if bad you know just so we know we, we know who it is but <laughs> you know someone mentioned that Jalen ward was not playing to us started off badly maybe we should put jacoby brissett in i'm like that that's the answer to everything isn't it just throwing the backup in you know yeah. but yeah really pleased at the, at the end of it i mean 
I jumped up and down on here long enough asking for a powerful back. And I think you, you saw what happened when, when one got in the game. I think we saw Duke Johnston looked like he had a spark against Jets in New York. Um, I imagine it was emphasised a little bit at home this week, being his first game back in Miami. So I don't think that's necessarily the norm. You know, I, I, everyone. Want, I think any of us would be amped if we were, you know, going through that experience. But even when um, Philip Lindsay was in the game a couple of weeks ago against the, the Panthers, you know, it looked like it had a spark. Just, I don't know. The, the more I see it, the more convinced I am that the whole, you know, the whole running back room is overall. Um, I, you know, I banged on about it for, for so long that I want, you know, wanted the particular back. But, you know, again, I, I think we're starting to see what we could or should have rather than what we've been playing with. Something to add to that, Lee, is I'm not sure whether Duke Johnson and Philip Lindsay are the long-term answers at the position, but for this season, at least, they're going to be giving teams now something extra to think about because, as I said, the Dolphins have demonstrated they can win with a powerful running game. So as we approach the end of the season and the crucial part of the season, it's going to give teams something else to think about now, which is great for this time of year. Yeah, I don't. I don't necessarily think. It, I agree with you. I don't necessarily think it's a long-term answer. Um, I wouldn't get excited about these guys getting signed to long contracts. I think all it's proved is that a you can find running backs cheap, and b there's probably a different style back that we need to go after. Not that there's not a place in the offense for Miles Gaskin, but Miles Gaskin needs to be in a room with a Duke Johnson and a Philip Lindsay. I think rather than having two similar backs, uh, you know, in him and, and Ahmed who kind of play a similar kind of game. But I, I think we, you know, th- there's a place for that, but yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at at the, at the middle of the draft next year as well, because I say I, I, all this, this proves is that you don't have to spend a lot of money and you don't have to draft them high it, in, in my opinion, or at least that, sorry, not in my opinion, in, that's what they will think. That's what they're going to take from this. You know, I would still take, I still would have taken the best back last year because I think we would have been further along. So, but yeah, it'd be, it'd be an interesting time anyway. Three points uh, from me. One, I think Duke Johnson was signed while we were recording and I was very excited and just said, this guy can definitely do something that we haven't got. So very pleased that that's come true. Two, what I don't want to do is get like carried away and kind of say that that Duke Johnson's the guy he's going to like carry us to the playoffs. You know, we got we're going to go and beat because we've got Duke Johnson on the roster. But we do need to accept that it was against a pretty dilapidated Jets defense as well. But as you both said, it it just it's just the difference that it makes because we all saw when Miles Gaskin was in there for those like third and shorts that it just doesn't have the second push to, to move the pile. And I, we're all sat there thinking, why is Miles Gaskin going in for like third down when it's that short yardage situations? But the, the fact is that if you put someone like Johnson on there that, that can just kind of get that second wind and push them over the line, great, that's what we need. doesn't matter if it's Duke Johnson or anyone else. Third point is the offensive line is looking so much better. Uh, in the last couple of weeks, with the exception of Jesse Davis, still need to draft the right tackle or someone sign somebody who wants to play at right tackle. Um, but the, the the line just you know makes a hell of a lot of difference. That Austin Jackson was opening holes on that left side of the line all day long, and I'm really glad he's found his niche there because you know where we drafted him, it feels like a lot for for a left guard. But 
if that's where he can find his home and can make a difference, fine. That doesn't matter. It, that's all about the impact, isn't it? And I think Eichenberg had his best game at left tackle as well so far. So just really positive that those guys are developing, um, you know, leads us to the question as to kind of, will all, will, will, you know, will everyone hopefully out Davis, but the other four, will they be starters next year? Will we kind of shuffle in and out? But obviously that's one to address as we get further down the road. But just, you know, like it doesn't feel at the moment like if we did make the playoffs, it'd just be sort of an embarrassing kind of one and done. It feels like there's momentum gathering. It feels like the position groups where we've struggled all season are coming together to kind of improve and, and give us that stability finally. And that's why we're able to win these games because let's be honest, the, the kind of way the line is playing in week two or three, the, the way the Jets kind of came up and and the way the defence were playing week two or three, the way the Jets were kind of still getting into reasonable territory and then losing the ball or we were turning it over, you know, that wouldn't have happened in those early games and we probably would have lost that game. So really, really positive all round. I know I've gone on for a long time, but just just quite excited. It was just like very positive, wasn't it? Like I said at the start, you just always felt like it was going to come good, especially when that kind of defence turned the ball over late in the, uh, I think late in the third quarter, wasn't it? So, yeah. Lee? I was just going to say, I completely agree with you and I, 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 tried to preach some sort of patience with this O-line early in the year that, you know, they will get better and they have got better. And I also think part of it is it's good coaching and also good kind of play calling and realising, look, this is still a weakness. We're not asking Tua to take seven step drops back here, you know, back there. And that's that's not happening. They are They are kind of playing to the fact that it is still a weakness. But it is vastly improved. There are gaps open in running backs are looking like they have more room to operate. And I think part of that is on the back as well, but the O-line deserve a lot of credit as, as well. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that that you mentioned there was, um, I think Simon mentioned it was short yardage. Um, that's what annoyed me so much about the fourth down play. I was all for going for it. I got absolutely no problem with that. Try and kill this game off, but just run Duke Johnson downhill. If he doesn't get it, fine. I can also live with that. But it's the I don't think we needed to to run a kind of trick play there. They sneak Jacoby Brissett, let Tua throw the ball. You know, I think he's capable of doing that. Maybe not on Sunday, but you know, the way Duke Johnson was playing, just let the man run downhill and hey, that's it. And and let the side. I know you know you love. Giving your game ball to Tua, but I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out here. And a couple of a uh, couple of uh, bad throws, um, you know. And I think I even annoyed you slightly in a group chat by saying that Devontae Parker made a good catch for the touchdown because it was behind him. No, I got you, got you a little bit there. Um, uh, got a little nibble, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, I didn't think it was Tua's best game. But the point you made at the beginning, obviously, it was good teams win games even when they're not at their best. That's the main thing. But um, any kind of like reason that you saw, like you know, a slight drop off this week from tour, or was it just growing pains? What do you think? First of all, Andy, you never annoy me in the group chat, Andy. Never, <laughs> never at all. Just, dang- <laughs> just dangling that little bit of uh, a nibble there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be honest, two has been playing at such a high level over recent weeks. It was inevitable there was going to be a performance where he, he wasn't playing up to that standard that we've come to expect. So, from a good perspective, I'm glad it came about against the Jets because you certainly wouldn't want it to come um, and play that way against any of the next three opponents because if he does that, then we're going to lose. So if he's going to have a a, a below-par game, you would have wanted it to be against the Jets. The other point I wanted to make around 
the O-line is that are they appearing to be better because Tua isn't getting pressured as much because he's releasing the ball still relatively early and he's not sitting back. And I think they mentioned it on the commentary. He really likes to go to his first read if he can. Therefore, and if he does that, he's therefore not hanging around too long with the ball. And, and, and obviously, as a, a knock-on from that, as I say, does it appear as though the O-line is getting better? I think we need to be very careful in terms of saying that four of these five are going to be starting next year because we're working on a very small sample size now where for this for this game just gone and the remainder of the season where they're up to the sort of level that we would hope a good offensive line would be. So I just think we've got to be a little bit careful and don't overreact to, to that one performance because next week they're going to be up against a defence that shut out Tom Brady. So if they can do it again next week, I think that's going to be perhaps a, a better benchmark in terms of where they are. Yeah, for, for me, I completely think you're right in terms of Tua getting the ball out. He's kind of learnt that he's going to have to do that to protect himself. But I also think that that's the first game for me, guys, I don't know if you agree, but where I could, the run plays, I know Johnson played well, but the reason that Johnson was able to get that yardage is because they were opening holes. That was the first time I've, I've kind of looked and thought, God, like I could get through that, <laughs> like make, you know, get through that gap that Jackson and, and Eichenberg have made and just pick up, you know, the five, six, seven yards on first down, which then makes us able to move the ball. So I think there was that as well. But uh, yeah, I completely agree. I don't want to overreact. It's just positive to see, isn't it? I mean, I've spent all week uh, having a debate in another group of like American football stuff when people say it, telling me like how poor Tour is. And I can make the point of the uh, the poor offensive line. And then they come back to me <laughs> and said at the weekend, well, your offensive line looks really good. And I was like, oh, that's, uh, that's kind of, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm glad that's happened, but I also wanted to prove that point slightly. So uh, very uh, strange point there. Um, just flipping to the other side of the ball, six sacks, very impressive again. Um, obviously, Jets offensive lines probably in the same sort of sphere as, uh, as ours is not great couple of young pieces, that sort of thing. But I just thought it brought pressure to the quarterback really well this week. Any kind of standout in that area, Lee, for you? Or is it just a kind of team effort? I thought it was a team effort, but I also thought it, I thought it was really interesting. I actually thought we played fairly vanilla. And it was, it was just, we think our players are better than yours. And I think, I, I don't know why, I can just imagine Flores standing on the sideline with one of their massive dials that has one at the bottom and ten at the top. And he just slowly cranks it until he gets it to where it wants to be. Do you know what I mean? It's you, you didn't see anything massively exotic, and I think that was probably partly because Javon Holland wasn't playing, um, partly because it wasn't needed. I think it's maybe where they fell apart a little bit last year at the end of the year was they they ran that sort of constant pressure every single game and eventually somebody found out how to stop it and that coincided with it being a long season and having an earlier bye week and stuff like that whereas this year it's like right we're going to use that when we need to use it we didn't need to and I think it was would do enough to win this game which they obviously did more than enough they played well but it, I think it was just individual talent our players are better than yours and we're going to let them let them do that and I think next week we start to we see some more exotic stuff being on national TV, being a better team, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, I thought it was kind of vanilla, and I thought the same thing against the Giants a couple of weeks ago. To be fair, I actually I, I put it out on the Twitter account. I felt that we were playing kind of vanilla, and it was just kind of like just turning that screw a little bit in the second half, just getting it up to 
not up to the boil, but just just up to where you've got them out of their comfort zone and you look like you're good enough to win the game. Yeah, and just to pull out, uh, as Raj tweeted us, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Zach Simpson not getting enough snap count or getting a, a you know gradually decreasing snap count. That seems to have reversed trend, uh, cranked it back up. Sealer playing very disruptive on that line, but so is like Ogbar and, and Cohen. And so it just feels to me that um, that, that whole front is just very impressive, which is uh, is such a huge difference to where we were this time. Not this time last year, but the start of last season when we were we were kind of worrying about how we were going to play the run. Um, you know, we we were very happy with like uh, Devon Godshaw in there, but since he's been out the team, Raycon Davis, Sealer playing alongside Wilkins uh, and Osbury, it just feels so much better, doesn't it? It just feels like you know, and obviously you add Jalen Phillips into the mix there. That it's a very good sort of pass rush, very good play in the run. And our secondary is good enough to clamp down behind it. So it's just just all round quite impressive group. Any any other standouts on defence to pull out, Si, or, or any other points, mate? Yeah, I just want to go back to something Lee said around um, Brian Flores literally turning that dial to crank it up. That was a really good way of describing it because that's per- that's really uh, accurately what happened, I think. But uh, I don't. I think the Jets made it easy for them because in the second half they literally abandoned the run completely. And when you see that in front of you, of course, it's going to play into the Dolphins' hands when when they haven't got a, a running game to respect. Um, I think Michael Carter only ran twice in the second half and um, Coleman only ran three times in the second half and they're the two leading rushers. So when you have that in front of you, of course, it's going to play into your hands and, and, and work to the Dolphins' defence strengths. The other thing I wanted to mention was Zach Sealer himself. I've been looking at his in-game stats on the back of that comment from Raj. Uh, and uh, was was it Raj who, who said yeah. it? Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, from a statistical point of view, his performances haven't really changed much throughout the season. For example, his certain number of solo tackles, he's literally managed one or two a game, I think. And in fact, earlier in the season, uh, with the first few games, he was averaging four um, so we've seen that reduced to one or two, even though his snap counts have, have increased. Also, same with assisted tackles, that he's, he's managing one or two in game consistently all the way through the season. Sacks, would you believe that one on Sunday against the Jets was his first one of the season? So statistically, he's been fairly consistent throughout the season. Um, I think you have to look at what he does away from the ball more than anything else to see the disruption he makes on that defensive line and to kind of get a better measuring stick in terms of how he's uh, playing at the moment. Yeah, one, one of those better sort of rotational pieces, isn't he, where, um, you know, if, you, if your main guy needs to come off the field, if he comes in, uh, you don't like take your foot off the gas at all. So really impressed with, with how he's doing. Um, any sort of other points you want to make uh, about this game, Lee, maybe? Parker, how he played when he had to step up as the main guy and things like that? Yeah, I thought Parker played well. I think it, it, every time I see Parker play, I'm reminded of why I want him on this team. And I want him all the time he's on that cheap contract. I'm willing to let that contract play out unless someone gives me what I think he's worth. And to be honest, that's probably more than what most people do. So I'm, I'm happy for him to sit there on the roster. We've got plenty of cap space, you know, it's just not an issue. The, the, the only thing is obviously, you know, he's going to miss games. But that's fine if you build the rest of the, the room based on on that. And, and I can live with that. Um, 
I just wanted to touch on Tua a little bit more. I think it was interesting that he played what I would consider to be maybe his second worst game as a Dolphin coming off of a bye week. Um, I thought he looked exactly the same on Sunday as he did when he came into the Ravens game after sitting on the bench, with, you know, having missed a couple of weeks with a finger injury. Um, those first two drives against the Ravens that he was in, I mean, the balls were all over the place. They, they weren't good. But if this is as bad as two, like if this is the second worst game he's played and we put up 31 points solely on offense, I'm not going to complain an awful lot. He he managed, yes, you know, like you say, the Parker pass on the touchdown, you know, was behind him. And there was a couple of passes that the receivers had to help him out. But I think he's due a game where the receivers actually help him out a little bit. You know, um, I think there's been plenty of games where we're just saying, someone's got to make a catch when he's putting the ball in their belly, you know, when, when he's hitting them in the numbers. So, yeah, I'd be concerned if he does it again next week. But, like, we've seen now, what's that, 16, 17 starts. And I can pick out what the Denver game was bad. Sunday's game was was inaccurate, but that's really the only two games that you could point at him and say accuracy was was not on point because the rest of the time, even in defeats, even in bad defeats, accuracy's been on point and you can't say two or lost the game. Um, so that's as bad as it is. I am, I've got to be honest, pretty, pretty damn happy. Yeah, before we move on as well, Andy, I just wanted to mention that I think the Dolphins got away with one this week, considering where they were sat earlier in the week with all the all those players on the COVID list, including a whole running back room potentially. And considering we uh, only really lost um, Holland and Waddle um, from our starting lineups, I think the Dolphins got away with one this week because I think had it been in any of the other games we've got uh, left this season, it would have been a little bit more tricky. Um, so fortunately it happened this week against the Jets and, uh, and obviously it's not going to happen again to the running back room now. Um, so they've got that one out of the way, thankfully. It's bad, isn't it? The, 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 well, the whole league just seems to be a bit uh, crazy at the moment. You very much get the sense that the league wants to get the season uh, completed, don't you? Not, they're not willing to take any prisoners. So whoever you can throw out there, you throw out there. I noticed in the last couple of minutes that uh, the Chiefs have got Tyreek Hill on, on the uh, COVID list along with a load of others. And obviously, uh, Travis Kelsey went on there on Monday. So uh, that's this week's hot spot. But uh, yeah, all uh, all part and parcel of uh, of Chris Greer's job at the moment is juggling that as well. I think Justin Coleman went on for us on, on Monday. I think I'm correct in saying so. Yeah. No doubt there'll be a couple more. Uh, people on the list by the end of the week um, just in time to have a nice Christmas off so <laughs> you're going to do it lads do it now and then come back for the yeah. I imagine if we if we hadn't started a win streak that that list may have got very very long over Christmas Yeah, <laughs> coach I'm not feeling great yeah or just going out and getting it by a party and rather than uh, 
uh, staying in the team hotel or whatever they do. So yeah. I remember a friend pointed out to me once that it ha- it happens in the Premier League and in and in in the Championship. You see a lot of random red cards the two weeks before Christmas. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, have you ever, have you seen them? Uh, Michael Richards talking about that, saying that he used to just uh, make sure he got like this fifth yellow card of the season before <laughs> the Boxing Day game and stuff like that. It's very uh, all very uh, suspect. But anyway, you should be able to have a good like bet on a cards market the weekend before. Uh, Christmas couldn't yeah. it's, it's a way to play it. Um, right, game balls. Uh, Gordon and Sai, don't think you can give it to two of this week. So, uh, find no, else about it. <laughs> I'm going to go for the obvious Duke Johnson. I think um, he was the reason that they won this game. Of, um, on, uh, so, he, it, I can't see any other. Yeah, defensively, as Lee said earlier, it was a team effort. There wasn't one standout performance, but there was that one standout performance on offense. So, yeah, Duke gets my game ball this week. And Lee, any difference to that? No, it's, uh, I mean, uh, it, could could you have asked for a more perfect game from a guy that that we were able to pick up off a practice squad during the season? Uh, you know, like to truly turn in a game winning performance. Um, I mean, yeah. and and also, I, I say I, I said it a couple of weeks ago. It's just cool to see someone who who's there because of the passion for Miami. Like that, that's a I, I love that. So. Um, but I did want to. Def- I have got a defensive ball to give out. But, but ironically, does it count as offense if he scores a touchdown? Can we get Christian Wilkins one just for? <laughs> yeah, we haven't even talked about that. But yeah, go on. <laughs> I mean, I love seeing Christian Wilkins line up in the backfield. The guy, <laughs> the guy is just full of energy. I think if you need a spark, hey, why, why not? Um, I'm surprised they've never really handed the ball off to him. Um, I, I got a feeling it's coming at some point, but. He he worries me with his hands. <laughs> he, he does seem to double clutch everything, but hey, it, 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 whenever you see him lined up out there, you know something good's coming. So that play, actually, I don't know whether you noticed. Everyone's been talking about the touchdown, but had they handed the ball off to him, he wouldn't have scored because no. uh, one of those defensive linemen just burst through the line past Austin Jackson and had, had to and not handed it off or not flipped it when he did, then that that D lineman would have got to two quite easily. So that's something that's gone largely unmentioned. I think that it was so easy for that D lineman to to blast past um, Jackson on that line that that had Wilkins got the ball, then he he wouldn't have got in, I don't think. What is worrying is now that Christian Wilkins has more touchdown receptions this year than Will Fuller, Albert Wilson and Preston Williams. So (laughs) there's there's a... a bad stat for you. Um, obviously, I'll make it <clears throat> three out of three for, for Duke Johnson, who is definitely uh, my guy. So I'm going to be claiming that all year as a, as a win. Um, but what I will say, actually, is what I said on Twitter. I saw Omar tweeting to say that the Dolphins missed a trick by not signing Johnson to an extension next year, which I just thought was a bad take because everything we've discussed here Dolphins, like, will definitely see this as a we can pick up a running back for fairly cheap. Like, why do we want to, you know, pay for two years? It's not like there's going to be a huge market for Johnson in the offseason. What if he doesn't pick up another yard this season? You know, if something else goes wrong. Uh, it's just a very bizarre sort of like take. He's just uh, as soon as a player has one game, is to just like smash as much money on them and give them a long contract. It just you know, this is a this is a business, so you've got to make effective decisions, and it's obvious that's what the Dolphins have done by signing him for the rest of this season. So, 
Yeah, I do. I think also the, re- the reason he's signed for the rest of this season is solely so someone else doesn't take him off the practice squad. Because I, I still think there would be weeks they would put him back there if they could. You know, we know that this coaching staff doesn't see one game winning performance as, as a career. We, we've seen players get, get put back on the sideline for far less. We've seen good players. Like, let's be honest, Nick Needham's usage this year is, is bizarre to say the least, you know, but... If Duke Johnson balls out for the rest of the season, there's probably someone out there who's willing to pay him more than we're going to pay him. And if not, we're going to probably be able to pay him less than what we would pay him today if you still want him. So, you know, you're going to keep keep options open. But hey, I'm, sometimes you just got to enjoy the good game. There's there's no more than that. Don't, don't, just, just enjoy it. That's it. That is it. Um... Right, uh, on to next week then, as we are the, uh, at the moment, we are scheduled to be the last game of the week. It's the, uh, is it Monday? Not Monday Night Football, isn't it? I'm not losing the plot of Christmas here. Um, no doubt we'll probably end up with a Tuesday or Wednesday game if the Chiefs' COVID issues continue. But prime time, big game against the Saints team that until Sunday weren't really up to much. But then they shut down the Buccaneers uh, offence and that's got a lot of people on Dolphins bit of talking about whether we'll be able to put any points upon them. I say to you guys that we will. It's not a rivalry game. We don't, like, you know, we can find ways to move the ball looking at the way that the Saints shut down the Bucks. You know, cite your opinion on that, mate. Like, are you kind of worried now that you've seen how good the Saints defence can be? I think I'm worried because it's an away game in the Superdome or whatever the stadium's called nowadays. Um, so from that perspective, they're going to have to go up against the crowd and the noise as much as the team itself. I mean, the, the Saints don't aren't anything special offensively. They rank 30th in the league um, and because they haven't got any receivers, basically, to, that are worthy of a mention with Mal- Michael Thomas being out. And because they haven't got any receivers, teams are um, stopping the run. Um, and because of that, they're only, even with Alvin Kamara, they're only ranked 15th. So offensively, they're nothing to write home about. Um, so I'm, I think they're more than capable of of shutting the um, Saints down on, uh, obviously, Taysom Hill and his running ability is a concern because um, historically they can't, cope with running quarterbacks very well. So that is a bit of a concern. But on the other side of the ball, defensively, uh, yeah, it is a bit of a concern. They're not, they're sick, ranked sixth against the run. Um, so then they match up well with the Dolphins' weakness in that respect. And then from the past, they're sort of middle of the pack. But you have to remember the game they played against the Buccaneers the other night. The Buccaneers did lose three of their top um, offensive weapons in Leonard Fournette. Chris Godwin and Mike Evans. So you take away those three, and they're three of the pretty much the only ones who can consistently perform at that high level with Brady. Then, of course, he's going to struggle. Don't forget, the Saints have got Brady's number as well. So I don't think Brady has beaten them while he's been a Buccaneer either. So the the Saints do have the Buccaneers number. Um, so. It's, it's a bit of a toss-up, really, in terms of how, how the game's going to go. I think, as I say, the Dolphins can certainly cope with the, the Saints offensively. It's it's how they cope with that Saints defence and whether they play at that sort of high level they did against the Buccaneers. And that's that's going to be the key to the game for me. Lee? So, yeah, I, Brady has beaten once. The only time it really mattered. Beat them in the playoffs. 
Okay. Well, lost to them twice in the regular season, beat beat them in the playoffs in the Superdome. It's, but you're right. You know, we all know that the easiest way to the playoffs is to win your division, and you you build to beat the teams in your division. The Saints are built to beat the Buccaneers, and like you say, in the last two seasons, that's what they've done. So, are we surprised? Um, I definitely. I've got a couple of friends who are Bucks fans who were definitely. Um, making sure everyone realised that they lost their wide receivers in the morning. I was like, yep, you tell that to Zach Wilson, you tell that to Tua, and you tell that to all the other young quarterbacks who have to deal, have to deal with those other guys the rest of the time. Like, sorry, that that that's not a good that's not a good enough excuse to put up zero points. Like, that's... But that's just for me. The Saints defence doesn't actually scare me as much as it, as it does. I understand the last two games they've only given up nine points, but that's... Uh, sorry... The last two games, they've only given up nine points, but they gave up nine points to the Jets. Before that, they gave up 27 to the Cowboys, 31 to the Bills, 40 to the Eagles, 23 to the Titans, 27 to the Falcons, you know, 27 to the Bucks earlier in the year. I, I, I think we're capable of putting up points. You know, if we go out there and lay a goose egg, I'd be surprised. I'm not saying that, you know, we're going to run all over this team, but I, I don't see it. They're no more scary based on the, the Buccaneers' win than, than they were earlier on, on Sunday before they beat the Bucs, for, for me anyway. Um, for Tua's sake and for the sake of social media, dear God, don't let Taysom Hill beat us. Because like, I just... Oh, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, Chris Sims is going to drive me up the wall if that happens. You know, but I trust this defence to be good enough to go in there and win. It's a big game. Um, I do think under Brian Flores, we've performed much better in those those games. You know, we we were on a on a run of performing on on the national stage absolutely abysmally. You know, under under Gates, we were absolutely smashed under. Um, Why well, can't I remember the head coach before that? I can see him in my mind. That'll help, mate. <laughs> the, the guy who liked to pick up rubbish. He's, he's in he's in Dallas now, coaching the oh, uh, anyway. Joe, Phil, Joe, Joe Philbin. That's right. You know, you know, we would we would have that token one national game a year, like on a Thursday night. Go out and get absolutely smashed, and every fan in the league would say, "See, we knew you were a bad team." So great, <laughs> but I do think under Flores, we've played a lot better. You know, that Jacksonville the Thursday night game in Jacksonville, we played a lot better. That was with Ryan Fitzpatrick. You know, the Thursday night game against the. Um, Ravens again, far far better, and that's you know the Ravens are a team that will always give us a stomp in. So it's I've got higher hopes before national games really scared me, but you know I, I'd like to think Brian Flores have this team. I think probably Sunday was a bit of a, the wake up call they probably needed to say, look, you are winning. You had won five games in a row. You've now won six, but that that can go away really quickly, and the season probably goes with it. So. You mentioned yeah. about all those points that they seem to have conceded, Lee, but they still ranked sixth in the NFL in terms of points per game no, defensively. It, so uh, I, I say it doesn't; uh, it just doesn't scare me to go against them. Not, I think we have enough talent, providing obviously we're all healthy. Um, I think massive to get Joe and Waddle back. I think his absence was noticeable. Um, I think. Probably Tua gets going a little bit earlier if he's got that that comfort blanket of 
Jalen Waldo, everyone loves to say that a tight end is a, a comfort blanket for a safety blanket for the quarterback, but you know, we know that it's Jalen Waddle in Miami. Um so yeah, I, I think you know, get Jalen Waddle back. I think we, we've got a chance to certainly be competitive in this game and go close. You think they'll do a similar game plan um to how they uh neutralized Lamar Jackson, for example. So Taysom Hill is a poor man's Lamar. Um, where their running ability is their primary weapon, if you like. Um, do you think the Dolphins will play a similar game and to combat that that uh, ability of Taysom Hill to to run? I think so. I think they they'll have like so much faith in the fact that secondary can take away like Marquis Callaway, um, Lil Jordan Humphrey, stupid name as well, Lil Jordan. But uh, anyway, that's uh, <laughs> it's a different subject, but. Yeah, I have no doubt that uh, they think that, and obviously Eric Rowe can take out uh, Adam Troutman as well. So that just, uh, you know, bring the pressure, keep him in the pocket, make him throw the ball. Uh, it's very easy to say that, isn't it? It's obviously uh, easier said than done, but I think that is the, the key to the game, isn't it? To be honest, if we can shut that down and make Taysom Hill pass to beat us, then we should be okay in theory, as long as Tua can move the ball Um uh, on the Saints defence and be interesting because I've no doubt Drew Brees will be sat up there in the kind of uh, either the commentary box or the sort of uh, you know halftime show sort of thing and everyone compares to her to, to Brees in, in play style it'll be interesting to see if uh, he can do his thing in the, in the Superdome I am I am also interested to see the uh, defence that, that Sean Payton brings as well because I, I do find it interesting to watch Sean Payton's defence I think he does a lot of good stuff with them as same sort of coach as, as Flores, really not afraid to kind of change things based on who they're playing and and kind of go with that. Isn't it? And, and I also really like watching uh, Marshawn Lattimore as a cornerback, one of the better ones that are on the Dolphins roster. So should be an interesting game to watch. Um, any sort of extra points, Lee? So you don't see this as a Kenny Stills revenge game at wide receiver then? I mean, I saw a, <laughs> I saw a play that he made the other day and obviously it was, uh, I think it was Trevor Simeon throwing the ball actually, but it's like just bang, I think he hit him on the numbers and then just bounced off. And I, I really liked Kenny Stills when he's a Dolphin. Oh, yeah. it's, it's fair to say that uh, he's gone a bit off the boil since, uh, since yeah. then. They picked him off, off the street this year, didn't they? Sort of, he wasn't yeah, in the like practice squad. So, yeah. But, so. Yeah, I think, you, you know, this could be another one of those games where Sean Payton's defense is scary. Like you only have to see, like like Simon mentioned earlier, his record against Tom Brady against the best to do it. Tom Brady still hasn't figured out exactly how to break that down. Not with any consistency. Beat them in the playoffs last year, then loses two consecutive um, regular season games this year to them. It's It feels like a game where you want to get the ball out quick. I, I don't necessarily want um, receivers going one-on-one -on -one up the field and waiting for something to happen. I want those moving um, players going in motion, hitting Jalen Waddle, coming across the field, um, death by a thousand cuts, kind of to a performance. And I think, you know, even playing badly last week, we saw long sustained drives, finding a way to move the ball. Yes, it was obviously greatly aided by the run game but I think if we can see some of that again this week kind of shorten the game and then exactly like you guys said live and die by if Taysom Hill can beat us with his arm so be it 
but we just not, don't let Alvin Kamara beat you. Don't let Taysom Hill beat you with his legs. Yeah, that's the key to the game then. I mean, um, let, let's quickly move on because I do want to talk quickly about Christmas. That's always an exciting podcast topic. But, uh, Sai, your prediction for the game? I'm torn on this one. I, I As we've been talking, um, the Dolphins have certainly got the talent and the ability and the momentum to carry them to a victory. Don't forget also the Saints sit at 7-7 seven and seven and they're still in the playoff race in the NFC. So they're very much fighting for their playoff lives. I think I, one more defeat for either team will probably be the nail in the coffin. The Saints are at home, so they have the, the home advantage. The Dolphins have the momentum. So it's a really tricky one to call this week. And I think there's going to be uh, a feel god or less in it. Uh, if, you, if you're asking me to give a prediction, I'm probably going to say... It's, I, I can see a 2017 win for either team, and but I think let's go with the Dolphins. Um, they've got the momentum; they need the win. Um, so yeah, 2017 wins. That's good to me, Lee. What are we talking? 45-3. Yeah, <laughs> why not? Um, I was actually going to go 31-17. I think the Dolphins are, are comfortably better on offense, and the Saints are. I think. Brian Flores and his defence are better than Sean Payton and his defence, even though Sean Payton and his defence are very good. So I think that's where the battle lies. But I think if I had to pick an offence here and, and say I want to win the game with one, I'm picking the, the Dolphins' offence. Like Alvin Kamara is the only real piece that scares me on the other side of the ball. And I think this year we've done a far better job against running quarterbacks and, and good running backs. Yeah, I don't think the Dolphins can afford to lose many offensive pieces, to be fair, to COVID. And as I said earlier, no. they got away with one against the Jets. They can't afford to lose any this week against the Saints if they're going to win. Yeah, 24-21 uh, Dolphins for me. I'm going to go. I think it'll be sort of walk-off field goal. I think, you were, like you said, uh, sorry, it'll be very, very tight. Um, yeah, just I, I think it'll be one of those games where we, where we kind of are behind most of the game and then start the fourth quarter just edge in front and then the, the defence like shuts down Tyson Hill so that's my, that's my game script that, that definitely play into Tua's hands as well you know where he's really excelling so yeah I'm going to be I won't be watching the game live unfortunately I'm going to be downloading it onto the iPad and watching it while I'm on a plane hopefully so you can imagine what the reaction is going to be like on the plane if uh, if the Dolphins do pull it out at the death and, and win. So it's a three-hour flight and a three-hour game, so it fits in nicely. If it goes badly, we'll ask them to make sure the door's locked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the one. Right, Christmas week. I need your ideal Christmas present for the Dolphins, whether it's this season or in the next off-season, whether it's a player or... And it's as simple as a win this week. What's your ideal present for the Dolphins? Go on, Lee. Oh, it's literally as simple as that. Give me a win this week. And let's keep this alive. I think they, the team worked incredibly hard. There's been a lot of work going into turning this around. I think everyone had started to lose the faith when you lose seven in a row. Um, and I think this team probably, based on the last six, seven weeks, deserves to be over 500. Um, and to keep those playoff hopes alive. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I'd love to see him get into that last game of the season where you've got a chance to, if you win, you can get into the playoffs. So, but yeah, just give me a win this week. Sorry, anything different? I I was going to say the same thing, actually. Sorry. Because um, Lee's nabbed it. Um, I would say, 
in the absence of trying to uh, avoid copying Lee, uh, I would just wish the team have a healthy Christmas and no one gets into any trouble and or no one catches COVID, so they miss the game purely from a selfish perspective. Thinking Dolphins here, I mean, it's no, it's not any good if anyone catches COVID. But um, seeing as you're being specific to the Dolphins, Andy, let's hope they all stay safe and and they can all take the field against and and play well against the Saints. It feels so weird, doesn't it? That it's like that we have to think about health and stuff as as part and parcel of it now. I was saying to uh, my wife earlier, like just she was talking about like, when we went to Disney for Christmas a couple of years ago and how much has changed now. You know, the the big kind of worry then was like, oh, like, is it going to be busy at Disney? And now, if you kind of think of doing that, am I going to? There's so many people there. Am I going to get I'm going to get COVID? When am I going to do the COVID test? It just feels like it just takes the fun out of stuff, doesn't it? So uh, fingers crossed we can move past that. Uh, fairly soon. Uh, I'm going to go a bit different and say that as soon as our season's finished, no matter how it's finished, whether we've got a Super Bowl win or we lose the next three games, I just want a blockbuster trade for just a big name offensive lineman who's just going to stand at right tackle and just deflect people away from Tura with no problem whatsoever. That's my big, big Christmas wish. So fingers crossed. Can't see it happening, but uh, go on, Lee. Just for fun, though, imagine walking into the facility the day after Christmas, a big wheel full of shape present with a bow on it. <laughs> I, mean, I'd be I know like, it's, I know it's not happening, back. but, you know, two games to end the season would, certainly wouldn't be a bad gift. I wish we'd kept the receipt, to be honest. Like, I'm going to uh, probably hope yeah. that everything that uh, the wise family's got me is uh, receipt kept as well. So. <laughs> hey, we, we all knew the wheel full of signing was a bad one when it happened. <laughs> and and it's panned out exactly how we thought. But yeah, I can just imagine it completely wrapped in paper, nice little bow on top, ready to ready to go in the facility. Uh, go on. Continuing the Christmas theme, chaps, have you guys got anything dolphins related on your Christmas wish list that you're hoping to receive as gifts from Father Christmas? Because Father Christmas is still real for any kids that are listening. Here, here, here. I, I don't actually. It's. It's one of those ones where I really like Dolphins merch, but I like I don't like walking around. I think I said this the other week. I don't like walking around just a normal sort of English town with like aqua and orange on. I'm very kind of self-conscious, and I, I just like my grey or black. So there was obviously some nice stuff like T-shirt Lee's got on the moment, but uh, <laughs> I think I'm getting uh, some Blue Jay stuff, probably like a, a new Dolphins hat or something. So I always get something related. But yeah, Lee. Uh, I, I say the same thing to people every year. Why do people struggle to buy me stuff? Just buy something with a dolphin on it and you're probably <laughs> going to be okay. Um, I will I will bring next week, I will bring my secret Santa gift from work because it was a um, a piece of wall art of the Miami Miracle and a, a good friend of mine at work bought it for me and he said to me, I have absolutely no idea what the hell this is, but it looked cool, so I bought it for you. And I was like, <laughs> yes, this is epic. And he gave it to me on the exactly three years to the day since it happened. I was like, man, this is too cool. So, yeah. Guided well. You need to buy a cat outfit, Lee. <laughs> I need to get a cat first. Sai, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything uh, in your uh, Santa's sack? That sounds a bit weird. Anyway, <laughs> anything coming your way? <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm much the same as Lee. Um, I... 
uh, happy with any dolphins or forest related gear because I'm notoriously difficult to to buy for. Uh, but everyone knows they can't go wrong if they get me anything dolphins or forest related. So really don't mind. Um, usually a t-shirt goes down quite well, or or something a little bit different that you you don't tend to see out on the street, Andy. But yeah, I, I'm not sure what what I like surprises. I do, I do like the old old school kind of bomber jackets. Those are some of my favourites. You know, the kind of starters jackets. Those, those are good. But when you look at them online, like people just slap the word vintage on them and then slap a price tag of hundred and fifty pound a jacket on them, don't they? So it's always a, a bit painful. But uh, it's quite funny actually watching Sophie in, in the shop in at, at Hard Rock and like she, she didn't have a dolphin sort of related T-shirt, so she wanted to get one so she could go and change it and watch the game and it. She's going around like, this is ugly. This is disgusting. Who wears orange? And just like, <laughs> all this stuff. And eventually she found one. But, uh, but yeah, I, I do feel the pain there. She was like, you pick the worst coloured team to support in terms of uh, uh, game day outfits. So, uh, yeah, but the best place to go on vacation, right? Exactly, exactly. Although I think she prefers Tampa, but she actually wouldn't, wouldn't say that to me yet. So. <laughs> Gonna message you now. Yeah, do it. <laughs> no, so she brought your box out, so don't worry. Yeah, and yeah, she has got a box out, and to be fair, I have as well. But uh, that was just for the uh, that was somebody who didn't know what to get me one year. So. <laughs> anyway, uh, hope everyone listening has a good Christmas. Uh, hope you get the win. Um, stay safe out there. It's obviously pretty crazy at the moment, and hopefully everyone has a really nice Christmas day with uh, family, friends, whoever you're doing it with. So I finish us off. Yeah, as I mentioned earlier, it's my last show of the year because I'm not around next week. So just want to wish you guys and your families a very happy Christmas day safe. And for the listeners out there, same goes to you, of course, as Andy just said. But um, to you guys out there who are listening, thanks for sticking with us throughout the season and throughout this year. Um, Hopefully you'll continue to do so into next year. Um, All your um, comments and thoughts and the fact that you do download and listen is very much appreciated, I'm sure, from the three of us. So... Um, thanks again to everyone out there for, for listening and, and supporting us. Here, here. Happy Christmas, and we'll leave it there. <laughs>